me better now it is better now you can hear me it is very important for us to remember from early age that the god of angel armies is where is always by our side amen well our sermon title today is three steps to grow our faith all of us want to have faith that is stronger that is mightier that is you know growing constantly but before we get into the bible uh, i would like to ask you guys a question and my question is how many of you know what tesla is any of you guys know what gals guys what tesla is yeah probably when we talk about tesla a lot of you thought about uh, what we see on the next slide you probably thought of this right well let me tell you tesla existed <laughs> way before this thing existed and there's a reason why this thing was called tesla so why was this car called tesla does anybody know the story behind that one because that term tesla it existed for almost a century before the car came into existence and the reason elon musk didn't call it musk but he called it tesla there is a reason for it so let me tell you a true story behind it but in order to show and to illustrate that more vividly i need a volunteer i need somebody to help me out but you would be have to be high enough to to operate over this table so what we're gonna do so anybody who's probably 12 or older but you have to be younger than 18. <laughs> Any volunteers? I saw them right here on the stage singing. Coming up. We're going to show you. You will know. Come up, come up, come up, come up. You will know for sure why Tesla is called Tesla. <laughs> okay? So what we're going to do with you is we would have to create an electric engine. So what makes Tesla Tesla is because it's an electric car, right? It has an electric engine. Now, do you know how to build electric engines? you don't oh, you would have to learn so to build an electric engine you need what you need an electricity right so you need a battery so that's what we have and then other thing that every electric engine has it has a magnet it, it it can be different forms shapes but you have to have magnetic field and here's what nikola tesla has discovered that when you take a wire especially like a copper wire it does, and you put it inside of the electric field, not, not electric, but magnetic field, nothing happens, really. But once you get the current to flow through that wire, miracles happen. <laughs> There's this force that impacts that wire when there is electricity flowing through that wire if the wire is within the electric field. So we have a copper wire here. I put these two little labels just for you guys to see a bit more. So coming up, so what we need to do is, so here's our magnet. What I want you to do, see this little wire? I want you to put it on top of the battery. And step aside. <gasps> do you see what happens? <laughs> we have an electric engine. Can you guys see that the thing is spinning? We're not helping it, so we can, I can step aside. Here's our Tesla. <laughs> so here's what Nikola Tesla has discovered, and that's what he called, that was what was called Teslas in the future. Thank you so much. Now you know how electric engines work. 
See, you come to these sermons, you'll learn things. <laughs> so, yeah, Nikola Tesla, he lived like in the late 19th uh, century, 19th century, so late 1800s, and then he died, I believe, in 1943, something like that. And uh, he has made a lot of discoveries. How many of you guys have a wireless phone charger? I mean, this is a recent thing that just came up maybe a couple years ago. Well, Nikola Tesla was the one who actually made it possible for us as the humanity. So that principle existed. Well, it existed forever, but, but we discovered it almost, you know, 100 years ago. So here's what Nikola Tesla has discovered. That uh, the force that impacts that wire would depend on three things. The force that impacts the wire depends on how many things? It depends on three things. The first one is the, what, what they call in English uh, flux density or the strength of the magnetic field. How strong is your magnet? The stronger the magnet, the, the more force it's going to create this system. The second letter was current or I. And then the third one is L or the length of our wire. So three things. The length of the wire, the, the current that goes through that wire, and then the strength of the magnet. So the, the length of the wire, we already had the thing to measure it with, whether you measure it in inches or centimeters or meters. And then the current, we measure it in, uh, in Russian, ampere, ampere, right, in English? Yeah, ampere, amp, amps, yeah. And so, but there was nothing how we would measure the strength of the magnetic field. And so it was named after the great scientist Tesla. And so when Elon Musk came up with this electric car and he was looking, so what is the name? What is the name that we can come up with? You know, he came up with the name Tesla. So that's the story behind it. Now you know that. But as I was looking at this formula, I thought, you know, that F obviously stands for force, but it would have been cool if we could come up with the formula that would stand up for faith, right? And that to have maximum faith, you would need you know, this and this and this, and then if you have it all combined, then your faith is, is really great. So our sermon title is Three Steps to Grow Our Faith. And I'll be honest with you, probably there are more, there are more steps, but I was just intrigued by this formula, so I had to come up with three things. So at least three things that are needed to grow our faith. So what are those things? When we talk about faith, the Greek word is pistis. And I, as I started looking into, you know, where does the Bible talk about faith? And how often does the Bible talk about faith? Uh, so pistis, it's the noun. It's a feminine noun. And the definition is faith or faithfulness. And it is translated into English translation as faith, belief, trust, confidence, fidelity, or faithfulness. And we find that word numerous times all through the New Testament. But there is, as I was looking at the list of places and how many times do we find the word faith in each book, something jumped into my eyes. And I'm wondering if you'd be able to see that. So these are the books. So for example, in the Gospel of Matthew, we find that word pistis that is translated most of the times as faith. We find it eight times. 
In the Gospel of Mark, five times. In the Gospel of Luke, 11 times. In the book of Acts, 15 times. In the book of John, James, 12 times, and so on and so on. Most of the times we find it in the book of Romans and then in the epistle to Hebrews. So that shouldn't really surprise us. Apostle Paul writes a lot about faith. But there was one book that kind of intrigued me because that book is not in the list here. Why is it not in the list? Can you find which book is not in the list here? A substantial book, the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, do you know how many times you find the word pistis or faith? How many times do you find it there? None. You'd be like, wait a second. <laughs> John 3.16, what does it say? Well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever does what? believes in him, but it's not really pistis. It's a different word. John says himself, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. What's the difference between believe and faith? I thought those are identical and synonymous words. Well, there is a difference. As we look at this Another very similar Greek word, it's pisteo, and it has the same root as pistis, but pistis is noun, and pisteo is a what? It's a verb. So it's something you do. It's not something you talk about. It's not just an idea up in the air. It's something that you, that you do, you know, with your hands. It's something you, you test, you see, you experience in your life. And then if you look at that word, that word pisteo is, we find it in the book of John, in the gospel of John, how many times? 86 times. I mean, there's only like, what, 21 chapters in the book of John, and we find it 86 times? What's going on here? Well, when John is trying to show us what faith really is, he's not talking about the theory. He's not talking about the noun. He talks about this is how it looks in real life. I don't know about you guys, but when I was studying at school, some things excited me more and some things excited me less. Well, one of the things that really excited me was physics because A, I could understand it, and B, it had a practical application. And I know that a lot of people hated physics. Why? Because for them it was just theory, just formulas. And for me, it wasn't just formulas, it was the things that I could make. <laughs> and things would, you know, light up, and things would spin, and things would fly, and things would, things would do things. It's something you experience. And this is what John wanted his readers to do. He didn't want just to tell them this is what faith is like. He wanted you to go through that experience that somebody had of believing in Jesus. So if we were to ask John, John, you know, we want to build up our faith. What do we need for our faith to grow? I believe if, if we were to allow John to say, okay, John, just one word in that formula, one letter. It would stand for one word. We're writing the formula. What would be in that formula? I believe John would say the word of God should be in that formula. If you want your faith to grow, the word of God should be there. It's interesting when we, uh, I'll, I'll go back. For example, in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 30, 
John says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. So John says Jesus did many signs, not all of them are written. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. As you read and walk through those miracles that Jesus did, I want you to experience that yourself, says John. From the very beginning of the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who do what? Believe in his name. See, it's not, it's not just the theory. They not just know the theory, but that's something they experience in their life. They believe in his name. Uh, in John chapter 2, verse 11, this is the beginning of the signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples, guess what? They believed in him. When did they believe? John says, well, that was in Cana. There was a wedding feast, and then, you know, people ran out of wine, and Jesus said, well, I'm not going to do much. He said first to his mom, but mom said, well, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. <laughs> and the disciples were witnesses of that, and they were, when they witnessed how Jesus turned water into wine, it changed their lives. They believed so when John tries to explain this thing of faith, he's not just using formulas. He's not just using some definitions from dictionaries and books. He shows it in the practical example. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? In John chapter 3, remember what happens in John chapter 3? Somebody comes to Jesus at night. It was Nicodemus. He was a well-known Pharisee. What happens at the end of that encounter of Jesus and Nicodemus, Nicodemus believes in Jesus. He believed in Jesus. Later on in the Gospel of John, we read that after Jesus was crucified, who comes and brings a lot of, <laughs> a lot of money out of his pocket, pretty much. He brings a lot of uh, uh, perfume to anoint the body of Jesus. Who was it? It was Nicodemus. After that encounter, after that personal encounter with Jesus, Nicodemus' life was changed. John describes that to us so that we would be there with Nicodemus. We would be there with the blind man who was healed. We would be there with the paralytic who was healed because he experienced that in his own personal life. And when he experienced that, as the result, it wasn't just the theory that he read in the book. That was his personal experience. That was the, the verb in his life. Faith became not just a theory, but, but, but the action of their lives. So think about the Gospel of John as we go through woman at the well in chapter 4. Remember? What happens? She believes, and then the people that she told, the whole town came to see Jesus, and they said, now we believe not just because of what you said, but because what we have personally experienced, right? In John chapter 5, he heals the man by the pool who was sick for 38 years. What did that man experience? Again, that was the experience. That was the action. That was the verb. It wasn't just the noun, just the theory, just the words on the, in the book, on the paper. It was their life. 
And after that encounter with Jesus, their faith grew. In John chapter 6, Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And then Jesus walks on water. And the disciples, again, they experience, they see it all. And John, at the end of his gospel, he says, the reason I'm describing the whole thing is that you might do what? That you might believe. And that's why he uses that word, pisteo, you know, in, as a verb, you know, so many times, 86 times. He doesn't talk about the theory even one time. He talks about the, the action. He talks about the verb. So, as Apostle Paul put it, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by what? By the Word of God. So it's not just John, but Apostle Paul would have put that letter in that formula. If we want our faith to grow, we need to be in the Word. We need to study the Word. We need to walk with Jesus and see the things that He has done, and that would grow our faith when we have that experience. Amen? What else is in that formula? Remember, there would be three letters in that formula. So if we were to ask uh, Luke, you know, Luke, what's most important in order for our faith to grow? I think Luke would have given us a different answer. Uh, not that it would contradict what John or Paul has to say, but I think there is an, an, another important aspect that has to happen. Now, do you remember what books were written in the New Testament by Dr. Luke? What did he write? He wrote the book of Acts, and he wrote, obviously, the gospel of Luke, right? So that's something that we would have to look into. So there is this word, a long word in Greek. Basically, it's translated as prayer, or, and, and again, it's a verb. It's not just a prayer, but it's about, it's I pray, or I pray for, or I offer prayer. And that word, prayer, or, or praying, should I say, is met in the New Testament 87 times. So we find it 87 times in the New Testament. Again, why I'm talking about the New Testament is because we're talking about Greek, and New Testament was written in Greek. But, so as we look at where do we find prayer the most, we find it 18 times in the Gospel of Luke, and then we find it 16 times in the book of Acts. So if you were to add what Luke wrote about prayer, there's more times than in all of the, it seems like in all of the rest of the uh, epistles combined. So Jude, Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, Hebrews, and so on. Luke wrote more about prayer. But here's an interesting fact. When you read the Gospels and you read about prayer, who is praying in the Gospel of Luke? We find it multiple times, and I challenge you, can you think of at least one time when it would be said that Jesus came to the disciples and he found that they were praying? Do we see that in the Gospels? Not just Luke, but any Gospel. Who is praying in the Gospels most of the times? We find Jesus praying in the Gospels, right? When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The other evangelists, they failed to, uh, they failed to notice this fact that as Jesus was baptized, he was praying. And it was as he was praying, the Holy Spirit descended upon him. 
in Luke 5, 16, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Who is it talking about? Who withdrew oftentimes into the wilderness and prayed? It was Jesus, right? In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, now it came to pass that in those days that when he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in the prayer to God. Who is it talking about? Who is praying all night? It's Jesus, right? And then Luke 9, 18, and it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And then they ask a question. So in the, in the gospel of Luke, we find this thing. It's Jesus praying. It's Jesus praying. It's Jesus, Jesus is praying all night. Jesus withdrew to pray. Jesus comes to the disciples and he says, watch and pray, right? And what are they doing after he comes back? After he told them specifically, watch and pray because you're, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What happens with the disciples when he comes back like in an hour or so? What are they doing? <laughs> they aren't praying. <laughs> in another instance, you know, when they look at Jesus praying, they come to him and they ask, teacher, teach us to pray, right? They see that his prayer is so powerful, so important, and, and, and their prayer life is not, is not that good. And so they ask him, teach us to pray. And after Jesus gives that example, guess what? We still do not find the disciples actually praying. So they realize with their mind, prayer is important. But do they put it in practice in their life? We don't really see that in the Gospels. But here's what we find in the book of Acts. After Jesus was crucified, after he, after he rose from the dead, we see the shift. Look at this. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. All These all continued with one accord in what? In prayer and supplication. And who is it talking about here? It's talking about the disciples, right? After the resurrection of Jesus, they all continued with one accord in prayer. Acts chapter 2. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in what? And in prayers. There is this shift that happens. If in the Gospel of Luke it was Jesus who was praying, then in the book of Acts, who is praying? It is the disciples. And let me ask you a question. Is there a difference? If we, were, if we had the tool to measure faith level, if we had that tool and if we were to measure the level of faith in the life of the disciples in the Gospel of Luke or in the Gospel of Matthew or John or Mark, you know, before the crucifixion of Jesus... And if we were to measure the, the measure of faith of the disciples in the book of Acts, where would we have more faith in the life of the disciples? <laughs> the answer is pretty obvious, right? It, it is in the book of Acts. Why? We ask a question, why? Well, in the Gospels, they, they knew how important prayer was. In Acts, they actually pray. So much so that in the book of Acts, chapter 6, verse 4, uh, they, they are dealing with a problem. They are taking care of, they are managing stuff. They are re redistributing goods. And they're like, we can't do that. We're not managers. Who are we? In Acts, chapter 6, verse 4, they say, but we will give ourselves continually to what? To prayer and to the ministry of the word. <laughs> Here are two words, the word and the prayer. 
We can't be busy with, with management. We can't be busy with, you know, redistribution of goods. We need to get deacons to do that. We need to be in the Word, and we need to do what? And we need to pray. The disciples got it. They understood the importance of studying of the Word and of prayer. So, if we look at our faith formula, if we want to have max faith, <laughs> if we want our faith to grow, we need two things for now. We need the Word of God and we need the prayer. What would be the last thing that is important? That's something that we have already noticed that in the life of the, of the disciples, in the life of the apostles. What else is important? Let me look it up. <laughs> because... <laughs> Uh, here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter, or, or the disciples ask, and Jesus answers. And the, the apostles said unto the Lord, what are they asking? Increase our faith. We, do, they, do they have faith? Yes, they do. Do they realize that their faith can be greater, bigger, more? Yes. And so they come to Jesus and they ask him, Lord, increase our faith. Are you on the same page with the disciples? Would you ask the Lord to increase your faith? So the question is, how can we increase our faith? That's something that we are looking into today. So in verse 6, the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. What? <laughs> they ask, increase our faith. He says, if you had the faith of what? If you have the faith of the mustard seed. What does it mean? A lot of people, when you look at the mustard seed, they say, well, mustard seed, it's small. It's tiny. That's true. Then what? If you have the faith of the mustard seed, does that mean if you have at least very little faith, then things would be good? Does that mean they didn't have the faith that was so little? They had some faith, right? What does it mean? What do you need to do with the mustard seed for that mustard seed to grow? If you have just one mustard seed and you want to have more mustard seeds, what do you need to do? You need to look at it. You need to drill it with your eyes. You need to say, grow, 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 grow. Right? Is that going to make it grow? <laughs> and that mustard seed, you can just watch it become bigger, 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 bigger. Is that how it works? No. What do you need to do? You need to plant it. And as you put it in the soil, and as you water it, you will watch it grow and bear fruit, and you will have more mustard seeds. So what are we supposed to do with the little faith that we have? We have to plant it. We have to trust in the Lord. We have to allow that faith to grow. So what do we need for the mustard seed to grow? We said we need, we need, we need soil, right? We need water. What else do we need? We need sunshine. We need light. So Jesus says, your word is the lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Right? So the light, that's the word of God. How about, how about uh, the soil? 
You know, because why do we need the soil? Well, because it has the what? The nutrients. So in a spiritual life, where does faith get, where does faith get nutrients for growth? How did that happen in the life of Jesus? Where did Jesus get the nutrients for his spiritual growth? Uh, we read in the Gospel of Luke 6, 12, And I came to pass in those days that he went unto the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Where did he find the nutrients for his faith? It was in prayer. And then we said, we need light. And, and, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Right? And we read in the Bible that your word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. But here is the trick. You can have the best soil, you can have the best light, but it's not going to grow until you do what? You actually have to plant it. <laughs> Here's the trick. If you don't plant it, plant it it's not going to grow. So what is planting? That's, what was, why, why is it that the disciples knew how important faith is, how important prayer is, they wanted to grow their faith, but their faith was much greater in the book of Acts than it was in the Gospels. Why is it? The answer is found in the name of the book. <laughs> what is the name of the book where the faith was greater? <laughs> it's Acts. They put those things into action. They put it into practice. Here's what we find in the book, Desire of Ages 431. Though the grain of mustard seed is so small, it contains the same mysterious life principle which produces growth in the loftiest tree. When the mustard seed is cast into the ground, the tiny germ lays hold on every element that God has provided for its nutriment, and it speedily develops a sturdy growth. When that little seed is cast into the ground, it grasps all those nutrients that are important, and all of a sudden a miracle happens, that thing starts growing. If you have faith like this, you will lay hold upon God's word and upon all the helpful agencies he has appointed. Thus, your faith will strengthen and will bring to you aid, to your aid, the power of heaven. The obstacles that are piled by Satan across your path, though apparently as insurmountable as eternal hills, shall disappear before the demand of faith, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Amen? Amen. So what do we need for our faith to grow? We need the Word of God, we need the prayer, and we need the, not just to know about it, but we need to put it into action. And now I want you to think about this formula. So if, if your studying of the word equals zero, you pray, you try to put those Christian principles into action, but your, your studying of the word is zero, what's going to happen with your faith? It's going to be zero. You study the word of God, but you don't pray. Your prayer life equals zero. What's going to happen? Uh, you're, you're getting nowhere. You pray, you study the Word of God, you know the theory very well, 
But you don't put it into practice. There is no action in your life. What's going to happen with your faith? It's not going to grow. In order for Tesla engine to be very strong and powerful, we need a lot of wire, we need a powerful magnet, and we need a really good battery. Those three things, they've mastered it. And, and those cars can run fast. But if you take away one of the components, that car is dead. The same thing happens with our faith when we take away one of the components. Our faith would be dead. So what would you rather have? A strong faith or a weak faith? What is God calling you to do in your life? You know, you've heard it multiple times, the studying of the word is important. But you coming to church on Sabbath, that's not you studying the word. It is important to have a personal Bible study life when God speaks to me personally. It is important to have a personal prayer life. Prayer meetings, as good as they are, they're not personal. We get together, we pray for each other's needs. If I don't have a personal prayer life, my faith is going to go down. If I don't put into action what God has called me to do and through His Word, and as He spoke to me as I prayed, my faith is not going to grow. So what are the three steps to grow our faith? Study the Word, pray, and put those things into action. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for the fact that we have your Word so many people were thirsty to study Scripture, to know Scripture. So many people, you know, sacrificed their lives because they wanted to study the Scripture. And Lord, today, our generation is guilty of having more Bibles than ever and knowing it probably less than ever. Lord, we pray that that would not be our experience we pray that you would give us the desire to study your word and to hear your voice daily so that we would hear you speak from the pages of the Bible. Lord, we pray that our prayer life would be consistent, that it wouldn't be just us telling you what we need or what we plan for the day, but in our prayers we would hear you, what your plans are for our day and what you want us to do. And Lord... We want to not just to know the theory, but we want to put that theory into practice. We want action. We want acts in our lives. Father, we understand that it is humanly impossible, but we know that whatever is impossible for human is possible for God. That's why we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
what we have heard today can be just a good formula, just a good theory, just a fun fact about Tesla cars and electricity and magnetism, or it can be the truth that takes action in our lives, that has a root and brings fruit in our lives. So my appeal to you and to me, that we would be more in the Word of God, that we would be praying more, not to give God a bigger list of things that He needs to do, but to be in connection with Him and, and to be on the same page with Him and not so that God would be on the same page with me, right? And let us, let us put those things into action and then our faith will grow. Amen? Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord be with you. And may you be in His Word praying and putting those things into practice. Thank you. Amen.